Welcome to the Move the Stairs podcast by the Denver-based public relations strategist at MNC Communications. We help clients from the CBD industry to nonprofits and beyond tackle their toughest communications challenges and protect their brand using our state-of-the-art tools and strategies. I'm president and founder, Diane Mulligan. For us, public relations is all about brand protection. We are experts in growing active communities, deflecting negative public relations, and building trust to help our clients stand head and shoulders above competitors. I'm Vice President Sarah Beatty. We're all former journalists. We've been in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We call our experience insider media relations, helping clients turn crisis communications and media relations challenges into opportunities that bolster the bottom line. And I'm PR manager Jordan Sherman. At MNC, we craft distinctive and effective solutions for your communications challenges. We call it our Move the Stairs philosophy. On this podcast, we share our best ideas for brand protection, crisis communications, media relations, and more. Let's get right to it. This week's Move the Stairs podcast. talking about some great stuff today regarding crisis, um, the difference between a crisis and an issue, and what's a real quick crisis plan that you can put together that's going to make all the difference for you when you uh, work into a crisis. So thank you for joining us today. Um, we're talking strategy behind some of our biggest public relations challenges. And today, as I said, we're talking about crisis and how you plan for a crisis and how you communicate during a crisis. So Sarah, you want to talk about how we're going to break this down? Absolutely. So as late as we do every week, we've got four topics. So at um, right at the top of the hour here after our introductions, um, we're going to be talking about how you determine what's a crisis. Um, is it a crisis? Is it what we what we say is, is it a, a headache or a heart attack? And we'll get into that. Uh, at 15 minutes, you're going to hear about how to use the outline that's available by request. So we can send that out too, if you're interested, um, that uses our brand protection tool process to help walk through what are the steps for creating a crisis outline. And we're gonna talk about how a, a crisis outline and a crisis plan are a little bit different. At um, 30 minutes, we're gonna talk about how we use what we call our insider media relations expertise. And we're gonna explain what that term means and how we use the expertise that all of three of us have um, being from the news media to help manage media relations during a crisis. Cause I think that's the thing that probably scares the bejabbers out of people the most, which is, <gasps> What do I do when, you know, I pick up the phone and it's somebody from the media on the other end, or even worse, what do I do if I open the front door and there they are? <laughs> so that's what we're going to start talking about at, at uh, 1230. At 1245, you guys, this is going to be fun. We, uh, so we talk about a go bag all the time. So we're going to show you some of the things that are in our go bags. We're going to talk about this sort of MNC go bag, and then we're going to talk about what's in our individual go bag. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. You can message us. You can leave a note on um, the Facebook Live page. You can get in contact with us later on if you're not seeing this live. And you can uh, ask us questions and we'll get to them next week because we're doing these every Friday afternoon at noon. So that's what we're talking about today. Great. Um, Jordan, how important is it for us to get questions? 
It's pretty important because then we'll know exactly what you want to hear from us. And, you know, we're, we're going to be here for you every Friday. We do this every Friday at noon. So you can message us ahead of time because we're always going to tell you what's on schedule for next week as well. Or we can easily get back to you about what we're talking about this week, too. Great, great. So let's start real quick. One of our biggest mantras, actually our biggest mantra of all, is mm -hmm. move the stairs. Very quickly, move the stairs means that you look at whatever situation you have within the parameters that you've got and you be as creative as possible. So um, the, the quick story is I was covering a uh, senatorial candidate who we knew was going to win, but getting him live at 10 o'clock when I was in news was, was key. And the stairs from the podium where he was going to give his acceptance speech led to my competition, not to my station. So I went and I undid the stairs and I moved them to my side. Um, so many times in our lives, um, both at MNC, um, at the stations that I've worked in, we've used this theory of how can you look creatively at what you have to give you or your client uh, the best opportunity to make the most of a situation as opposed to what, whining. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit is what my kids always learned. And uh, I think that's a, a great way to look at it. Get what you get. Make the most of it. Really think about it. You'll come up with a great opportunity. It's a PR MacGyver. You, that's right. Be the MacGyver. And <laughs> I can tell you that, that night we won. Um, not only did we have the candidate, but nobody realized I had moved the stairs. And so the other stations didn't get him for a good 20 minutes, which was fabulous. So that's move the stairs. We're going to move the stairs with PR. Um, each one of us at MNC tries to move the stairs in our own lives. So that's what it is. So Jordan, you want to talk a little bit about crisis versus an issue. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, if you've watched some of our previous videos, we've kind of tiptoed around some of these different topics. But today we're really diving into, you know, what's a crisis? What's an issue? What's in between? How do you determine between the two of them? Because a lot of times um, you're going to have something pop up that's an issue. And if you're not ready like for it, it may feel like a crisis. Exactly. And the first thing you may do is panic. And uh, that, that's the first thing you should not do is panic. So uh, Sarah, you alluded to it earlier, headache versus a heart attack. Um, we all know if you have a heart attack, you call 911. If you have a headache, you take an aspirin and hopefully you feel better um, a little later on. So what may be, maybe I'll toss this back to you, Sarah. Can you give us maybe an example of what maybe a headache related issue and what is a full blown crisis? Sure. So it's going to feel like a crisis. If you are a business and somebody gets on your social media page and says, this business or this product is terrible and it's awful and they're, you know, I don't like it and it didn't work. And, you know, they're terrible people and they took my money. Like that's going to feel really personal, like an absolute crisis to you, whether it's a, you're a restaurant or whether you sell widgets, doesn't matter. Um, what I would say is that the, even though it feels like a crisis, that's an issue. That's something where you, you need to take a little breather and step back and go, huh, Let's keep an eye on this. Let me see if some of my advocates, some of my other customers that really love me and love my product come to my defense and say, actually, gosh, you know, I've used this widget and boy, it works perfectly for this widget need that I have. Um, so that's kind of one of those calculations you made. We define crisis um, as a significant threat to physical life or limb. Like if, you're, if you see blood, 
it's a crisis. Um, if you have something coming at you that may permanently damage your business, so my widget machine blows up, that's a crisis. So that's kind of how we help um, our clients walk through, um, is this something that you need to immediately respond to, or is this something that you could kind of take a moment, see how it's developing, and in a number of cases with, with clients, especially on social media, um, there were, um, it was a situation where somebody was trying to create a crisis. You know, they took a little ember and there were sort of naughty trolls on, on social media trying to fan it into flames. And we actually ended up just saying, you know what, if you ignore this, these naughty trolls have like 18 followers, hold your nerve, ignore it, and they will get bored and go away. And that's exactly what happened. Now, naughty trolls are different than an online mob. So again, that's one of those areas of differentiation that helps you understand. And it helps to have that external third party, um, you know, ear to bend to say, is this a headache or is this a, a heart attack? And what should I do about this? Sarah, I'd like to give another example too, outside of social media. What if somebody dies on your property? Okay, somebody dies on your property to you, into your employees, that's a crisis. Mm -hmm. Depending on the circumstances um, of what happened, it may be an issue. So sometimes things that you would automatically throw into the crisis category are not crises from a PR standpoint. They may be a crisis from a personal standpoint to you or, or even to HR. people or your employees, that type of thing. But there is a difference between that and what is a crisis from a PR standpoint and what in that situation either should or should not do. Because sometimes preparing um, that it could blow into a PR crisis is very important, but um, basically not blowing it up yourself. And I have seen so many situations where people have actually gone out and blown it up themselves mm -hmm. instead of just quietly preparing and being ready, but waiting just a bit to see. So you don't want to have that shooting from the hip type of plan. You want to have something where you are thinking carefully. And again, I do think that that's where calling somebody outside who you trust implicitly mm -hmm. and saying, this is what's going on. Uh, and I can't tell you the number of calls we've had like that over the years where our clients are thinking, this is like the worst thing ever. And we can say, this is a really awful thing. And this is a very sad thing. But from a media or a PR standpoint, depending on what's happening on social media, this is not a crisis from that standpoint. So it all depends on the perspective. So you wanna try and look at it from the outside you don't want to overreact either because then you can blow it into a crisis. I and I think you brought up a really good point because yeah. you talked about how some people um, have allowed an issue to snowball into a crisis by putting it out there. That's, that's really not a great tactic to go about things. Um, that's why it's always good to kind of take that deep breath, step back, evaluate the situation and really ask yourself, is this something that is going to get out of control or can we manage this so that it doesn't get out of control? I've also always found that if the crisis involves somebody else on the outside, 
if I can get on the phone or I can meet them personally and talk to them before they get on social media and just lambast whatever it is, that nine times out of 10, we can find an answer that's not going to elevate this. So having a conversation, if it's somebody on the outside that you're having the crisis or the issue with, having a conversation with them um, and not necessarily, I don't think I would do an email conversation. I would probably pick up the phone first, especially in the climate we're in right now, um, and try and get them on the phone as quickly as possible. Use a lot of humility, um, really listen to them, um, talk back to them what they're telling you, repeat back what they're telling you so that you truly understand what their issue is. Um, a lot of times those were just misunderstandings, but in the social media world we live in, those misunderstandings can blow or people may not have the whole story. And if you can explain what's going on from your side, that can make a huge difference. And I think one of the, we talk about this every now and again, one really good technique, if you've got people you know, blowing up social media is to try to move that conversation off social media as quickly as possible. But keep in mind that you're not just talking to that one person on social media, how you handle that response in public talks to all of the other people who follow your social media page or who may follow that person. So somebody may get on and say, this is the worst widget I've ever used and it's terrible and horrible. And I'm so disappointed. And so that's where a really thoughtful response publicly to say, oh gosh, I'm sorry, Mr. So-and-so that you didn't like our widget. We'd be happy to help you um, get this sorted out and make sure that you're happy with your widget purchase. Will you please DM me and so that we can have a, a direct conversation. And that shows to the outside world that you're uh, responsive, that you wanna make it right, that you care about customer service and happy customers. And it also then moves that conversation privately so that you're not, you're, you don't do customer service in front of, you know, a million people. That's not a great strategy. And I think one of the things that, that we're known for is, well, we're known for getting people on air and getting coverage. Um, we're known for not getting coverage. Um, and I think one of the reasons that is, is because we really try to sit back and say, what is that other person's perspective? Um, and that I have to take any defensiveness out of this conversation. I have to take defensiveness out of it. I can answer with facts and I have to listen to my voice. Um, if we're doing it on Zoom, I have to think about how I'm, um, how I'm presenting myself. All these things um, make a huge difference. I've, people have come at me over the years over different things. Um, the first thing to do is de-escalate the situation. Um, that way you're keeping it an issue. It is not turning into a crisis. So that's something else to think about. Is there a way that you can keep this an issue, that you can address whatever their concerns are? And they may be completely wrong. That's okay. From their standpoint, they're completely right. And you need to understand that. So you need to acknowledge and honor them where they are and then move forward. And it's the same when you have a crisis in your business. Um, you want to keep it an issue. It may feel like the worst crisis. Um, it's just, it's one of those things where you're like, I work so hard. We get that. Absolutely. I'm a good person. We get that. Absolutely. But you got to take all of that out of the equation when you're dealing with someone who's already escalated, who's already angry, who's already emotionally involved. You've got to meet them where they are and bring down that, whatever that situation is, 
and then deal with whatever it is that you have to deal with. Um, and nine times out of 10, people want to be heard. People want to be heard. So if you can hear them and then you can help them. And it's not, it's not, I already have an answer and I'm just going to shoot it off. It's not one of those situations. If it's something that's escalating, you want to take care of that. So culturally, Sarah, you want to talk a little bit about our cultural situation right now between issue versus crisis? <laughs> well, boy, howdy. That's one that um, is a, is so at the beginning of the year, I don't think any of us thought that we were going to be dealing with the COVID crisis, you know, and how that's affecting everybody's business. I don't think that anybody thought that we were going to be having such, you know, uh, society-wide um, cultural changes that that businesses, um, you know, or individuals may needed to have responded to. So, you know, the benefit of having a crisis plan or even a crisis outline, just a flexible, like, how would we handle something is that you've got kind of a roadmap and you've thought about, gosh, you know, what are the things that might come at me? What are the things that are um, so outlandish like COVID, um, you know, that, that we might think about? Um, and or what's, can I, can I interrupt you for just a second? Sure. Or what's in the news? Mm -hmm. Me too was huge. Mm-hmm. And I think for men of a certain age and women of a certain age, this was something that was just the norm. And so unfortunately, um, when it didn't get to it, and let me say that it was the norm of how women were treated, not to the extreme, um, but that there was a cultural thing that went on there. So right. once Me Too came out, one of the first things I thought was, who in our clients, who of our clients do we need to have a conversation with regarding Me Too? Um, well, what and we, we did, like we actually did, um, I guess I, we would call this media training, but gentlemen, how do we stand in public for photographs, right? right. Because I think gals can, can, you know, get away with an arm on a shoulder or whatever. I'm not sure at this point, especially like if we're talking public figures, you know, I'm not sure that gentlemen could. So one of the things that we did is we we did a little bit of training on where do your hands go if you're doing a, a photo. Um, and that was in response to something that was unheard of 10 years ago, completely not even thought of as an as right. remotely an issue 20 or 30 years ago. So that's Absolutely. a great example of, um, you know, you have to look at the times, the prevailing winds, and just think, yeah, it might be time to update something ever so slightly. So, you know, whereas you might have walked in the office and said, hey, girls, good morning. Probably not a, not a, not a good way to greet all of the ladies in your office anymore. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where um, it becomes an issue in the media. You don't want it to become a crisis in your office or a crisis for your brand. So you start need to start thinking about what's happening and you have to really be on top of it. Um, we had a situation where a, um, a, a person in power um, was asked for somebody to take a picture with him. And as he was, the picture was being taken, it was after a, a long discussion, the person flipped up a sign that said, all lives matter. Um, without asking they, him, without, without telling him. Without asking him, without telling him, and also in the con in the conversation and from where they were when that was happening, he didn't think about how that would impact 
the Black Lives Matter movement. Because this is, this is a new conversation, a mm -hmm. newer conversation. I wouldn't say new, but a newer conversation that's much more highly charged right now. And it became a very significant issue. It never became a crisis, but it became a very significant issue. Um, and it became an issue and didn't go into a crisis because immediately he started talking about what happened, how it happened, and that his understanding now of what that, how that could be taken is completely different than it was. Um, and we're gonna talk more about that, um, the, the cultural issues versus crises next week and really dive into that because I think for so many people, um, this is a huge issue on how you deal with it. Um, what are you going to do um, or not do? You have to make those decisions and how do you protect your brand by doing what you think is the right thing and how will other people perceive that? So, so when we're talking about the difference between an issue and a crisis, we've got personal, uh, life and limb. We've got business. Is it something that is going to significantly um, impact your ability to continue your business or to turn a profit? Um, you know, we could talk about gentrification in ink. We could talk about, I mean, there's all types of things there. And then culturally as well, um, what's an issue, what's a crisis and how do you prepare, which kind of moves us into the importance of having a plan. Right. And I, so I'm the producer here and I'm going to keep us on time because if we're going to get everything that we want to talk to, I'm going to have to move us forward here. So I just want to point out where we are in this move the stairs discussion. So we've talked about what's a crisis plan. Why do you need one? Right. We've hang on. We've talked about what is a crisis, how to define a headache versus a heart attack. And now we're going to talk about what is in a crisis plan outline. And like I said at the top, an outline is different than a full-blown plan. Maybe you could start there, Diane, and help everybody understand, um, you know, how those two things are different. Absolutely. So the outline is more of your roadmap for dealing with the unexpected. So the first thing that you have to do is um, you have to think about what's coming down the pike. Um, and is it something that's going to happen in the next six months? Is it something that... Um, that if you put an outline together on it and you put the time and energy into it, your outcomes could be better. Um, and then you're going to score all these things and then you're going to come up with your probably top three to five. And they're going to change. And gosh knows, we things are changing dramatically you know, every day. month, if not every couple of weeks right now. So this may, this may change. The outline really, you talk about the important things of what you have to think about. And Jordan, do you want to go through those five things that we came up with? Yeah, we'll jump in here with step one. And that's, you know, if you, God forbid, you have something happen and you are looking at a full-fledged crisis, but even if you're not dealing with crisis, even if you're dealing with an issue, it's good to know who's going to be ready to make decisions, who's going to take the lead. And I, I think it's really important. We all have defined roles with the MNC. We know exactly what we're going to do if one of our clients have a crisis, but if your brand or your business has a crisis, who's going to take the lead? Um, who's going to make those decisions? And moreover, if you're out of town, who's going to back you up? That's really important and can very easily be go, uh, go overlooked. So do you have a leader? Do you have a team who's ready to respond? Are they media trained? That's kind of a big deal, especially if you are dealing with a full-fledged crisis. 
because what you put out there to the media it can make or break your brand when you're trying to refill the trust bucket. And we talk a lot about the trust bucket here at the MNC. If you have a crisis, trust is lost. You don't want to continue to lose that trust by having somebody who's not necessarily media trained tackling a full-blown crisis. Can I also add start. to that, Jordan, real quick, that um, you need to know who's going to lead that particular crisis. If you're in a bigger group, Mm -hmm. um, and there's someone who is an expert on that area, whether it's HR, whether it's investor relations, whether it's, um, oh, I don't know, uh, uh, production and delivery. Um, who's going to lead that? But you need a second person because my experience is that the person who's going to lead during a crisis is always gone during a crisis. Always. <laughs> so it does not fail. No. So having that sub lead is what we call the, the sub lead. That second person who's ready to back up. Also, if your crisis goes for more than a day, need somebody who's going to be able to uh, give the other person a break. Mm -hmm. uh, because I can tell you after dealing with Columbine and um, oh, just so many crises that were long and ongoing crises over weeks, burnout is a huge issue and that's where huge mistakes are made. Well, um, that's what happened to Tony Hayward, who was the CEO yeah. of BP. And he, he was very well media trained. And up until the point that he didn't do a good job, he did a fabulous job. Exactly. He was a wonderful spokesperson. And then he was, it had been going for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And he was exhausted and you could see it in his face and he got frustrated and he, he said, you know, I want to make sure this is over and I want to make everything right. And everything was going well in that interview. And then he said, nobody wants this over more than I do. I mean, I'd like to get my life back. Right. And, and just to provide a little bit of background on that, Sarah, he, Sarah's talking about the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. And it was supposed to be a short-term thing, but uh, ended up lasting a lot longer than certainly BP thought it would. Yeah. I, and I can tell you from my own personal experience, I didn't go home for three days on Co when Columbine happened, and um, which is nothing compared to what other people went through. Um, but the bottom line is I had a, um, I had a interview on my third day and it was a gotcha interview. And, and you were news director at channel seven at the time, the ABC affiliate seven, here in right, Denver. Right. And, and they came after me hard, very hard about the kind of coverage we did. And it was, it was a very difficult interview and certain while I'm thinking in my head, don't get defensive. I'm also thinking, damn it. I have done everything possible I can do. And once you get in that mindset, you are not performing at your top level. <laughs> no. If somebody comes at you um, and, and the reporters, even if a reporters ask, this was a gotcha, but the bottom line is if it's a, it's a, it's a basic interview, you're still going to be defensive. Like, why in the hell are you doing this? So if you're there, it's going to show in you. Mm -hmm. You saw my face just go. It's going to show in your face. It's going to show in your body language, how you answer, the tone of your voice, all those things. And you just lost your credibility. That's the bottom line. So yeah. making sure that you can spell the person for a bit of time, that they get sleep, that they get to eat, that they're completely hydrated, that they're, you know, that they're, um, they're in a situation where they're, they're not in the elements, uh, all those things we learned over the years. And I can tell you, that's how I wanted to make sure that my reporters who were on air, that they were physically taken care of so that they could go for a week 
out in the elements. If there was a tent, that if it snowed, there was a heater. And if it was hot, there were fans and there was water and there was food and that you took care of that person that's huge um, in order for them to be able to perform at the level that they need to perform at, especially in a, in a pressure cooker situation. So Mark Williams, you and I worked with Mark at, at yes. Channel 7, um, made a wonderful comment Oftentimes people think they have all the answers in place before they create a plan, before they, they have to have all the answers in place before they can create a plan wrong. Right. And I agree completely, Mark. Mark yep. And Mark's, yeah, a, he, former, Mark's a, a former news person. So. Yeah, so he knows exactly what that yes. pressure cooker is like. He says, as the Marine Corps says, bad plans carried out violently often lead to good results. While I'm certainly not advocating violence, the point is clear, have a plan. Have a plan. And this outline gives you flexibility. That's huge to be flexible. Um, and you're going to have to react to what's happening. So Mark makes a, a perfect point. Um, it's kind of in our DNA as news, as former news people, because that's the essence of your job is to react to what's news. Mm -hmm. So that's, but in 9-11, when I was in New York, I was reacting I knew that I needed, um, I needed to get us off the island. I knew I needed to find a way off the island. I knew I needed that we may have to walk. So I needed water and I needed food. Um, I knew I needed cash. Oh my God, I knew I needed cash. So I had the outline of what I needed. How that was gonna happen and how I was gonna react changed minute by minute. We were on our way to the Secaucus um, uh, Ferry uh, to get over to New Jersey to hopefully get off the island when we found out that that's where they were setting up the temporary morgue. And I have a little boy with me who's seven years old, my son. The last thing they need is us there, if that's what they're doing, which obviously never needed to happen, but that's a whole issue. But at that moment, we were walking out the door, we heard that report, we turned back into the door and we made a new plan. That's the flexibility that I'm talking about is that it was very clear that that very stop was not where we were gonna go. We needed to go somewhere else. And I think that that's really important. So Mark, that's a really good point. So Jordan, walk us through those other steps on the plan. And this, by, way, by the way, is a downloadable one sheet. So let us know if you need that one sheet and we will get it to you, but walk us through the rest of the steps for this outline. Yeah, so we've determined who your lead is. We've determined who your sub-lead is, why that's important. Um, so they're taken care of. What's your messaging? What is your crisis messaging? What are the key points that you're focused on? And you know, part of the brand protection tool. Oh, go ahead. And don't develop messaging in a crisis when right. you're sleep deprived. The whole idea here is you're thinking about what could I need and what can I draft up now that could just use a slight tweak depending on what the what the issue is at the moment. And then I get that approved. Does it need to go through legal or does it need to go through CEO or whoever it is? And then that stuff is sitting there ready to go. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what you want to have. Part of this outline is giving getting the gears turning in your brain so that you can be prepared just in case you need to or you're ready to or recognize and really everybody should have a full-fledged uh, crisis plan. But pre-produced, uh, whether it's a press release, we call those dark releases, 
that are ready to go. You can fill in the blanks and get them out there uh, if they're approved through legal. Social media, uh, what is your campaign if something happens? Um, and what's the approval process to do so? Legal, I think, is a pretty big deal because that can take quite a long time. So I think being prepared for that moment, before that moment is incredibly important. So step two, always going to be, what's your crisis messaging? Moving right along uh, to step three. Jordan, if you, can I stop you real quick? Sure, um, go for it. If somebody's hurt, your crisis messaging always mm -hmm. starts with an empathetic sentence. Something that we are so sorry for this, that this happened to this person. There's, you don't, you're not taking any responsibility, but you're being human. Always, if somebody got hurt, always, that's the first thing. The second thing can be, here are the facts that we know. And the third thing is, this is what, these are our next steps. Three types of messages in the release, boom, you're done. Now, that doesn't, ever, the reporters are gonna to wanna to know what happened and why it happened and who's at fault and how, did you, okay, we understand that you wanna know all that. This is what we've got and this is where we're going next. And then the fourth thing I would say is, and we're going to be back with answers to your, with answers to as many questions as we can get to in 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. So go ahead, Jordan. Sorry. Well, you do bring up the media, Diane, and that, that's right where I'm headed here with, you know, the third step in this outline is you have to be planning for the media. Um, and, you know, where are you going to stage them if it's a big enough crisis? Uh, is there Wi-Fi? Do they have access to a bathroom? You know, what's in the background? Is that something that could potentially uh, further damage your business or brand? Uh, these are all things that kind of need to be front and center. And you really don't think about it until after a crisis happens. And, you know, for one of our clients in particular, we have thought about this and it, it's difficult. It really is kind of uh, racks your brain a little bit, especially if you're in a uh, really densely populated area, let's say, you know, where do you put people? You know, how are you going to make yourself accessible so that your crisis messaging is getting out there to the right people in an appropriate amount of time? And how, you know, the media in a crisis situation are going to be like to be in a place where they can see something that's relevant to the crisis. So whatever crisis you're thinking about at the time, think about where you can put them. Where would you rather have them than not have them? Right. If you have a place set up, they're going to have much more luck. They're, they're still going to move around. They're free to move around on public streets, all of that. Absolutely. And we honor all that. But if you have a place where your spokesperson is coming up, make sure that it makes sense um, from your standpoint, but you also want to put your, yourself in, uh, in the shoes of the media because now you're building a relationship. Now you're working together on this. And remember, the goal is to get information out. Above all, that is the goal. The goal is not to make you look bad. The goal is not to ask you terrible questions. The goal is to get information out. That's their goal. So how are you going to, uh, and your goal also will be to get information out, but you want to make sure, of course, it's the information that you know is correct, is accurate, um, and you want to come across as being very transparent and, and having empathy and all of that. So that's where your messaging moves into where you're going to put the media um, or where you're going to set up if you're doing any type of press conferences or giving them any special access or the police have blocked everything off. You have to think about that because that's what they're thinking and you want to be inside their heads which is part of what we do with insider media relations. Well, and I just want to point out sometimes 
this wouldn't be a, a, a crisis situation, but it's a bit of a crisis for a brand. We were working with one of our clients who had this great, wonderful opening and we had drones, we had media coverage, we had cameras all over the place. They were going to do this thing. And there were the, it was under construction. There were what, 12 porta potties and like right there. And you cannot move the porta potties, but this is not what we want in the back of every single shot of this exciting day about this, um, you know, construction happening. So, you know, luckily that day we had the ability to move a great big fire truck in front of it, you know, to just, so everybody (laughs) still had access to the porta potties, you know, we couldn't move them, talk about move the stairs, move the truck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so we put this fire truck there because, I, you know, we got there. And the went, things I was oh. thinking about moving at that moment, but I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> it's Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. <laughs> so, you know, it's sometimes and that would be a comical situation, but that's a, you know, it's something that doesn't look great for your brand because your brand is not porta potties. Your brand is exactly. this wonderful building going up. So, you know, it can be that kind of thing, too. Um, but thinking about what's that background? What's the media? Um, you know, w- what's in their shot that they couldn't frame out if they even felt like it, right? Not 12 porta potties, they're right there. Yeah, chances right. are they don't want the porta potties in the uh, shot. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but speaking of the media and, you know, your messaging, you have to determine how you're going to get that information out there. And that's step four on this outline. And as all former journalists, we know the number one source that media turns to on social media is going to be Twitter yep. every single time. And I think a really great example of uh, getting your message out there is creating a unique and specific hashtag to the situation that you may be trying to get that critical and transparent information out on. Um, as a meteorologist, too, one good practice I love that people use in Colorado, really across the Western United States as a whole, is when we have a wildfire, there's a specific hashtag for that wildfire. So on Twitter, you know you're going to be getting correct, accurate information, whether it's evacuations or um, data about the fire, fire size, you know for a fact that that relevant hashtag and very specific hashtag is going to reach members of the media like myself who are immediately going to get that out to the public who uh, may not be looking at Twitter or on their phones and may be turning to the media for that critical information. I think it's also important that the media knows which Twitter account is the official Twitter account. Mm -hmm. Um, We met with some of the officers at the LAPD who were tweeting out information um, about the shooting at Trader Joe's, which is probably about three years ago, um, as it was as it was happening, they're tweeting to the journalists, um, and the, there were a lot of people that were tweeting at them. But the journalists said we knew where the official LAPD Twitter account was, and we understood when they sent something that that it was coming from them. So that's why it's so important when you're thinking about crisis that you know the reporters already tweeted them, they're comfortable with the fact that this is your official site. Um, They may look at the other sites, God knows, but they know that the official information is coming from you because they already know your Twitter handle. And so that's really important to start now um, as one of those prep things in case you have an issue or a crisis and you want to get information out. Well, and that's one of the things that we counsel um, municipalities in particular, um, but but we would counsel any company to um, think about 
what kind of content do you have that might be pre-scheduled? So if you have some sort of crisis going on and you're like, hey, it's our 15% off widget sale and that's going out, that's not a good look. So, you know, if you're in a, in a particular crisis situation, take a look very quickly at what content you might have scheduled up ready to go that is sort of set and forget and make sure that you can um, put a pause on that immediately. But then you might also think about um, on all of your social media channels, posting a message to say, hey, monitor our Twitter account for official updates. This uh, Facebook page will not be, you know, you will not receive a, 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 a an update or response from this Facebook page, and we will not be posting official information on the Facebook page. Um, certainly, you know, I can't imagine an Instagram page being used as the official, you know, source of information. But just but there may in, be a new channel next week, for all we know. So it's well, really important to choose that yeah. channel. Choose the I mean, channel and then let people who know. Who knows? About TikTok it. could become the channel. Who knows? I mean, we just don't <laughs> know where it's going to go. So it's more. So you have to be on top of that as far as. Where are the media going to go? But right now, Twitter is still the place to go. Yeah. Step five, Jordan. All right. So how are you going to determine how you're, you've got this information out there? How are you going to organize that information and update it to the media? Because we know with Twitter, um, unless you are using that specific hashtag, that if you send a tweet, it's gone in 30 seconds, especially if you have a lot of followers. And these media outlets are obviously following thousands and thousands of different accounts to uh, stay on top of what's, you know, happening in their uh, state, you know, world, whatever. Um, so are you going to put out a press release? Uh, are you going to create a Facebook page, an official Facebook page for the event, if it's large enough? Uh, will you be emailing people? Um, how are you going to monitor the media to make sure that your message is getting out there? So I, I think step one here is figuring out, getting all your ducks in a row and saying, okay, the crisis has happened. We've put out real-time updates. Now that things are starting to simmer a little bit, we are going to turn to this medium for all future updates. And then you continue to update that medium. So what is that going to be? And Sarah, what's the best way to monitor, from, especially from a financial standpoint? Yeah. So we have just an incredibly robust set of tools, um, which unsurprisingly come with a robust price tag. So mm -hmm. it kind of depends on what your business is and how, how um, closely you need to monitor information. But, um, you know, we use a tool called Meltwater, which can take in basically the entire digital landscape. So um, broadcast coverage, uh, broadcast TV, radio, um, digital media coverage, anything published on the internet, um, it can take in anything on social media, so a full, um, a full funnel from Twitter. So anything gets said on Twitter, you'll know about it. It's not a sampling. Um, so that's a wonderful tool that we use on behalf of our clients. Um, but if you don't have that kind of um, you know, budget to do something, you can also set Google alerts on your phone. Um, what I do recommend is that you set Google alerts and then you also um, you know, search those hashtags, Jordan, because what we find with Google alerts is sometimes you get them instantly. Sometimes they pop in like 12 hours later. It's, and sometimes it'll be different depending on which one of us has it set. So what I would say is, you know, if we're monitoring something on behalf of a client, all three of us would set these alerts on our phone. And then sometimes some, somebody gets ahead of somebody else, but Google alerts are free. Um, you can use your, um, if you use a social media scheduling tool and, and uh, management tool, so Hootsuite, Sprout, uh, there are lots of other ones. Those are also great tools that you can 
um, you know, search, you can put in a search term, you can at least keep an eye on what's being said about your brand. Some of them have a sentiment analysis as well. So you can, you know, get a rough picture of is this positive? Is, is it negative? Those are paid tools. Um, so, you know, Google searches and then like, like you said, Jordan, a, um, just a hashtag search. Like if you're trying to, so, um, you know, I'm thinking of that fire that was down in Salida last year and I can't think of the name of it, but the hashtag was, um, you know, Salida fire or something like that. So you would put in that hashtag and you could do that for free and you would do that manually, however many times a day that you'd want to check and see what, uh, what's being said about that. So there are lots of ways to go about it. Um, and it just kind of depends on what your budget is and what your, what your needs are. I also like to do a specific Twitter list on my phone of reporters who I know are covering whatever it is that the issue or crisis is so that I can quickly go to that list and just go through and see what they've done in the last 15, 20 minutes when we're in a crisis. Um, it's another way to keep, so they may not be using your hashtag. Um, this is a way for you to keep on top of what they're tweeting out. And remember, they want people to see what they're tweeting out, so they're not going to hide it. Um, but if you know who's covering you, if you know who they're, who's there live, if you know who's called you, keep a list, and then you quickly make a Twitter list. And we, in some of our previous um, and, uh, and move the stairs uh, uh, chats, as well as in our vlogs, we've talked more about Twitter lists. But um, I am. I love my Twitter list. Yeah, we are um, big Twitter list they, fans. I do. I love my Twitter list because, you know, there's so much coming into Twitter that if I know who I really, who really matters um, and the reporters who are covering you in this scenario really matter, then you have an idea of what's going on with them in real time, which is fantastic. So I just wanted to go through the steps real quick, one through five, determine your key decision makers, your lead and your sub lead. What is your crisis messaging where you're going to have that, sometimes we call it a Swiss cheese press release, sometimes we call it a dark press release. The bottom line is have something that's written out, already has your boilerplate on the bottom. You just have to fill in the details to get, to get moving. Um, determine where you're gonna manage the media um, and how you're gonna manage the media. And when you get that first call, find out what they know and then tell them you'll call them back in 15 minutes um, and take a breath and then get your stuff together before you call them back and then determine how you're going to continue working with them. How are you going to disseminate the information? And that means that you have to have a current media list, must have those relationships already. And, and if possible, this is a great time for you to think of a specific, specific hashtags that just can be tweaked because it's that tweaking of a plan that makes all the difference. It's the tweaking in the outline. So the outline of the five steps and then the plan is what comes behind. But again, don't get real de detailed because you're mm -hmm. not going to have time to read anything when you're going through that. Yeah, and lastly, a handful of pages. Exactly. Lastly, determine how to update the facts about the crisis. And you want to be fairly quick. So what's your primary social channel? Probably Twitter. You already have your dark releases ready to go. So you're good there. Who do you want to talk to on the phone? as opposed to email or as opposed to an in-person or a Zoom. Sometimes phone is easier, especially if you're in the middle of a big crisis and you've got lots of people trying to get a hold of you, then you've got one-on-one -on -one stuff going on and that's a lot easier to manage. And then how are you gonna monitor what they're saying? That's all in step five. And, and how much money do you have for tools 
you don't have any money, you do Google Alerts, you do Twitter lists. And if you have a little bit of money, maybe you do Hootsuite. And if you've got a lot of money and you really want to bring everything together, Meltwater, Scission, Sprout, all of these big tools are something that you can look at to see which one of them will work best for you. Yeah. And so I just want to point out again, you went through that list of five steps, right? That's our downloadable. So um, drop a note, DM, send any one of us an email, and we will get you that five-step outline that'll just get you started thinking about um, putting together a plan. So a full plan is going to be different than this outline of like, okay, let me, you know, let me think through the immediate things that I need to, to get going with. So at 1246, and I'm astounded that we're like in the ballpark of on time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so remind Jordan, remind us what we're talking about next week, because we've got a great discussion coming up next week. Yeah, next week is actually going to be really cool um, because if you look at 2020 and everything that has happened here, um, specifically culturally, everything that has happened in 2020, uh, we're going to be talking about how you can adapt your plan so that you can continue to move on with your business and your brand and also adapt with these changes that 2020 has brought us. So that it's a pretty big topic, but I think we're going to do our best to really zero in and make sure that you're going to be on top of those things moving forward. And I think it's important for you to know, we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter. We're going to talk about COVID and the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about things that are touchy. Mm-hmm. Right. How you think about it. We're getting edgy on a Friday. Yeah, it's going to be. So we're going to do more of a deep dive into that. And I think that's really, really important. But these Very are the time. things, like you say, these are the things that um, at the beginning of the year, um, I think very few businesses would have thought, gosh, I better think through my, my, you know, what I'm saying about that or what my platform, my mm-hmm. stance might be, or do I take a public stance or do I not right. say anything? Nobody on January 1 was like, let me make sure that my business stance is in alignment with, you know, my personal politics is in alignment with, you know, this giant cultural change. So that's kind of, uh, you know, an example of how you need to be flexible uh, and how these, these plans or outlines, whatever you're working with, need to be flexible with whatever happens throughout the year. Let me give you a little taste of what we're going to talk about. So um, I was just listening to a podcast with Jennifer Long, who's an unemployment attorney, or excuse me, Um, an employment attorney, and she also is a discrimination complaint investigator. And and she was really being questioned about, what if you think you're a really good person and you're doing everything, but maybe you're not, you don't know. And this is what she says. First tool you need is humility, um, to let your defenses down, to say, no, that was my perspective. And I had that but now my perspective's changing a bit, especially because all of what I'm learning and what I'm hearing, um, and that now this is what I'm going to do uh, because I've I've learned something. I I'm looking at this a different way. So that's one one of the things we're going to talk about. Another thing she suggested was to to think about. I'm aware of my own deficiencies in this area, and here's what I'm doing to get better. So I acknowledge that walking in someone else's shoes who I've never had their experience, is really difficult. And I think this is true across the board, but the fact is right now, really important. Walking in someone else's shoes. And, and now that I'm hearing more, there's so much more attention to it. 
I realized there might be some things that I just don't get. Um, and, and I'm I'm changing a bit here. And this is how I'm I'm trying to get my head around this. So you're acknowledging um, that your perspective is being broadened somewhat. Um, and you're doing it with humility. And that's key. So those are the types of things that we're going to talk about next week. Excellent. So Friday afternoon, guys, in the 10 minutes we have left, get out I'm your ready. bag. You, you go, go bag. through the... So, Sarah, you're going to do the, the, the big list and then we're going to have our special things we love? Well, so I'm thinking about, and, and your go bag is going to depend on who you are and what you're trying to do and, you know, all of these things, right? Um, so if you're working on behalf of clients, your go bag is going to be much bigger and more extensive than if you're working on, you know, in a, in a particular office. So let me give you one example. Um, in our MNC go bag is a small portable generator, and we have used that. I yep. have it. I have it. It's awesome. We're talking small. Small. <laughs> so little, little it. Bag. it weighs, it goes on, literally goes on my shoulder. Isn't that amazing? It's yeah. Called, this one happens to be called the river, but it has, we can run eight different things off this one generator and it holds a charge for like, I don't know, two months or something. Um, yeah. And it's 20 hours. I can run off this generator for 20 hours after I charge it, which means I plug it in and I can, I can run stuff from, I can also recharge it in my car. So that's one of the things that we've used. And I can tell you that if you're outside with reporters and you've got something like this, that's going to help them. It's also going to help you get your message out. So that's why you want to think about something like this. Our Friday so, chat has gone full QVC here. Right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> I think about just this. that actually, but who cares? But yeah, <laughs> they're all over. You can find them all they're over. They're also on Amazon. My girlfriend just bought one for her, for her um, she built a cabin and it yeah. has no electricity. And this thing about, runs her whole cabin. Wow. If you're out and you need to be, you know, using your phone to shoot video, um, you need to be on your laptop. Jordan, you've got all of the camera gear and or media is there and their batteries are dying. Like if you can be like, oh, here, you know what? You can plug in here. Um, you know, now you're creating a relationship and you're you're assisting your your media colleagues uh, and helping to create a good relationship. So in, in the MNC go bag, uh, we've got a generator, which we've used. We've got a small portable microphone, you know, those ones with the, you know, the, the box that plugs into the mic. And we have used that a number of times. We have a pop-up tent to provide some shade or protection from rain or snow or whatever. Um, we, you know, I'm thinking one of crisis management event that we rolled to where we had um, food. We had like granola bars, stuff that wasn't going to go bad. So it was like granola bars, apples, um, you know, a couple things to just keep people from getting lots hungry. Lots of water. Lots mm -hmm. of water. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Bottles of water. Um, you know, we had hand wipes. This was before COVID, but we were prepared anyway, because we had hand wipes, we had paper towels, we had, you know, all of that stuff where you're stuck out in the sticks right. and you're, you know, trying to tell a story, trying to keep the media on message about something. And they're thinking, I need a restroom and I haven't eaten in 12 hours. And I, my phone's dying and my battery's dying and my news director is screaming at me. So that's the kind of stuff well, that we have in the MNC go bag. Oh yeah, that too. Spot. So mm -hmm. our hotspot 
this goes with me everywhere. It's, it just kind of sits in my person and I charge it every night. Because you never know what it's going to, you're going to be on the side of the road. Um, you don't know, you know, and, and people need to be able to get out. Now you're providing a way for them to get their message out. When you do all this, they're like, wow. These You've thought of everything. Doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're prepared. What does that give them the feeling of? You're competent. You're on top of it. Credibility. So when you tell them something, they have even, you have more credibility and trust. And that's what all of this is about, is building credibility and trust while you're dealing with whatever it is that you're dealing with. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important. And when you think far enough to bring granola bars or mm. to bring something for them to eat. Or a clean shirt. You, we have taken clean shirts. That's right. Clean shirts go with us as well. Um, so if somebody spills their coffee on them or whatever, here, we got a shirt for you. I know that sounds over and above, but you know what? It's like three shirts. It's not mm -hmm. a big deal. And it makes all the difference when we're run, rushing to a scene. The other thing that I would tell you is we have a, uh, a, a cart on rollers. Yeah. Because I don't want to be carrying all this stuff. And, you know, Jordan can only carry so much. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> we make Jordan carry everything. That's not true, but uh, but we have our own cameras. Oh, no, now he's busting up the scene. Mm. <laughs> we have our own cameras, so we're shooting our own material that we can also provide to people, which is really important. Yeah. Um, and, and so all of that can go into the cart that's on rollers. It takes a very, I mean, the footprint of the cart is like this big and about that tall. And we just unfold it. We can put everything in it and we can roll it with us, kind of like when you go to the beach. So it's that type of thinking ahead that you already know where we know it's all in one place. It's all, you know, when the, when the, we're not, oh my God, where's this? Where's this? I gotta have this. I have, no, it's all in one place. And there is a list that goes with it. So that if somebody took the hotspot, where is another hotspot so we can throw it in there and we can quickly check off to make sure we have everything we need. Then we are in the car and we're on our way. And can I tell you, so I have a couple of really low-tech things in my bag. Jordan's going to get into some more of the high-tech things. Guys, pen and paper. Like, it's not going to run out of battery. Right. You're, you know what I mean? Yeah. Pen and paper. So if you're standing outside, you know, maybe you're, I don't know, uh, at a wildfire, right? And you're going to be standing outside for who knows how many hours. And yep. some your cell phone's going to go down you know, your battery's going to die, even your backups. So Jordan and I both have battery backups, which saved our bacon about two weeks ago. Cause I was managing, I think five members of the media. And I think you had five or six and all of them were contacting us by text or call cell phone call and we're managing them. And so, man, we needed that battery backup, but do not forget pen and paper because at least you can write their number down. You can, you know, get their email, you can, you know, write a note down or, or write your list of like, got to send this to somebody or when I get to power, I need to do X, Y, Z. So those are just some of the, the low tech things. I always, because I'm just that kind of gal, have something to eat. You know, I've got a granola bar in every pocket and I don't love granola bars, but let me tell you how delicious they are at hour 12 in the cold. The other thing that Sarah has in her bag, I never thought of until I was with Sarah and I needed them are band-aids. Yes. <laughs> I now go nowhere without my band-aids. Yeah. Uh, be because of Sarah. But she does have the Mary Poppins bag. Um, Jordan, you want to get into the, the bigger stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So at MNC, we have uh, all of our own camera gear. So I have that it's under my bed, ready to go. I just pull it out. It can be in the trunk of my car and on the road within five minutes, but batteries are charged. Uh, the Every time I do a shoot, I offload uh, video clips onto external hard drives so that I know that the cards are freed up just in case, because you never know how much video or interviews or you know whatever you're going to have to shoot, especially as uh, you're trying to help the media tell the story as well. Um, in times of crisis. So I have that all ready to go. The thumb drive, of course, is sits in my laptop bag too. So um, you, you don't want to be caught in a situation where you're having a hard time getting, it's great if you have the camera gear, but if you can't get that footage out to the necessary areas, you know, what's or the point of Or you're out of Wi-Fi or the hotspot has <laughs> right. died or you can't push it through the pipe that's that big you know, the Wi-Fi, whatever. Right. And you know, we have, one a, and we have a set of lights, Jordan, yeah. right? I mean, we have a full light kit that's in there as well exactly. because if something happens at night, you're going to need those lights. Exactly. Yeah. The light kit is ready so to go thought, too. And in the light kit, I should mention, you've got the two big LED bulbs and an extension cord. And whether you're using the light kit for the extension cord or vice versa, um, you'll have that extension cord ready to go. Which in and of itself you can put into your portable thing. generator. <laughs> You're done. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. It's so uh, what I want to say about all this is, you know, it may sound like, oh my gosh, that's a whole bunch of stuff. And when would you ever need that? We have used every single item in our to-go kit at, you know, any number, multiple times at, for multiple clients. And we do, Diane, always get that response. Like, how did you guys think of this? Right. Whether it's from our client, from our media colleagues, from you know somebody that we're working with on location they're just like how yep. did you guys think of that and just that gives us such credibility in managing a crisis situation and bringing that temperature down so that people feel like okay we can handle this i can get something to eat i can clean my hands i can take a note i can get a, a charge i can you know whatever it's gonna be okay next week you guys Jordan, tell us, now we've talked about this a little bit, but tell us what we're going into next week. Yeah, just to recap, and Diane did dive into this a little bit, gave us a little bit of a sneak preview, but with all of the cultural changes we've seen unfold here in 2020, we're going to take a really deep dive into that. And, you know, how do you adapt your plan so that something you may have said six months ago may not be necessarily something that you would say today? And I, I think we have a long history of that. At Diane, you mentioned Me Too earlier, the Me Too era movement. So we have seen these things happen. And 2020 is another year that's presenting that. So we want to make sure you're ready for it. And the other part of that is we want you to be feel comfortable that you can say something if you choose to. Exactly. Um, because I think for so many people, myself included, there are times that I think, oh, just keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay sometimes. Mm -hmm. But... There are other times when it really calls for you to have some type of a comment as well. So that's what we want to talk about. How do you do that? How do you do it as, as carefully, but as with as much empathy as possible? Um, and a lot of that is, is just about saying, I'm learning. Um, and that's a good thing. And that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to have some experts on next week to help us as well.